Welcome to TechTastic, the podcast that explores the cutting-edge world of technology and its impact on society. New breakthroughs and developments are revolutionizing the world around us, presenting exciting opportunities as well as complex challenges. We'll explore the big ideas and key players driving these transformations as we seek to understand the implications of these advancements for our lives, our communities, and our planet. Join us on this journey of discovery and exploration as we navigate the fascinating and ever-evolving world of technology. This is TechTastic. Max, welcome to It's TechTastic. It's wonderful to have you here. Pleasure. Excited for this. I want to hear about Unifier AI. It, it sounds like you had a great journey getting there, too. Like you went through... Sorry, I'm, I'm going to say something here that I want you to tell me I'm wrong about. Um, uh, okay. One of the things that I made a mistake early in my career with was that I got excited by technologies and then I tried to figure out how to make that technology make sense for something. I tried to find a problem to apply the technology to. And, and it sounds like you went down a very similar journey through a bunch of different technologies. Am I wrong about that? Or did you have something you were chasing and you just found your way? Absolutely. I mean, it's an excellent question. The, the way we came up with this idea was we did a large online course in a community about evaluating digital assets, token economies, you know, tokenomics. I still believe in that space, but crypto is ruined by its casino and by its lack of real use cases. And while doing that online course, I never had enough content. I was like, I'm creating nine different recordings. I had super smart people from hedge funds, from VC as guest speakers, and we had all these amazing pieces. And then obviously ChatGPT came up. That's where I started with my developer friend. And we developed so many different products that failed. You know, we did every mistake in the book, right? <laughs> that was like the first one where we just experimented. Like we, we transcribed the audios, we transcribed the videos, and then we were like, how cool would it be if I could get LinkedIn posts out of it? And then, you know, other people were, were doing some podcast automation. And this time it was really different. So I, I was chasing a bunch of different things. So in, in crypto, and I, I worked with amazing startups there, but nothing really ever worked. This time around, yeah, I, was, I, I was finally solving my own problem and yeah. not falling in love with my own creative ideas. And, you know, then it just built it over time. One of the reasons I'm really excited by what you're doing with Unifier AI is the problem you're solving is one I deal with. As a podcaster, as a startup founder who's getting ready to launch a product, there's all the content you create in that parade up to the launch, right? You're putting out articles, you're putting out press releases, you're doing podcasts, you're updating the website, but for the most part, it's all the same content, just reformatted and such. But there aren't good tools out there for somebody in my situation where I've got a small team to really get it out there until I started looking at what you guys are doing. And it seems like it fits that niche really well. I hope it will fit that niche really well. Obviously, I think one of the key problems I always encountered is the problem you have, right? It's like, how do I scale myself? And I don't know, you're a podcaster. You have this amazing episode. It's super sweet, cool to the point. You post about it once and then you, you get busy in the other stuff. And it's so sad, right? Because it's it's such a valuable asset. And now takes this episode and, you know, it's going to be 15 minutes. The, the blog post is going to be 2,000 words, right? It's going to be 10, 15 LinkedIn posts. It's like, it's a bit what Gary Vee always tells people. And, you know, the big creators always repurpose your content. But like as a small guy, it's so hard to do. You can do it manually and it's so much work. 
Yeah, and the whole purpose of repurposing your content is I've already done the work. It's like, wait a second, it takes me more time than it does just to go record another podcast. Huh. Uh, so for me personally, I'm excited again because it fits a need I know I have. So I, I'm looking forward to starting to use it, which I will be. I'll be uh, signing up for it, assuming I can. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So you said crypto, which for me is really funny. I didn't wear this hat on purpose uh, to talk about Trade Lens, but Trade Lens was in the crypto space. And uh, for me, when I said it, it was a technology looking for a problem to solve, that is exactly how it was founded. Is uh, IBM said, hey, we've built Hyperledger Fabric, this blockchain-based solution. Merck, you're one of our big customers. Don't you have some problems that we could probably solve with this technology? And Merck said, oh yeah, like nobody wants to talk to us. Nobody wants to share data. So maybe we could use that. Now that is actually a good use case. Like they stumbled into a good use case from entirely the wrong direction. No. But I think that crypto was one of those technologies that was exactly that. When I look at cryptocurrencies in particular, like even the, the currency aspect of it, it's the worst possible version of a currency I can imagine. The whole purpose of a dollar, a euro, or anything that's meant to be handed off as a value exchange is a seamless, easy transaction. Oh. I give you this and you give me something. And it turned that on its head and made it very difficult. I always despised that about most of what I was seeing in the crypto space. And something as similar is happening in, in the AI space, I think. You're seeing a lot of things pop up that are just people enamored with the technology and not solving a problem. I already see that in corporates. Every large company, the German company, the industrial companies, they're like, okay, we are training a large language model on all of our data. That's like the consensus now. <laughs> so Bosch, for example, is now building their own internal Google search engine. And nobody questions that, right? I mean, I do. I, 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 I always point them to the, like, look at OpenAI. How much did OpenAI spend to train their most recent model? $250 million on compute. So Bosch, are you gonna dump, let's just say it's only $250 million into building your own Google search. Why would you do that? What's the value you're creating for your customers from it? Yeah. I always push back on things like that because it is that FOMO moment. But the craziest part about these times is if you just addressed that, if you walked and said, hey, Bosch, we're going to help you solve that problem for yourself. And instead of it spending $250 million, you're only going to have to spend $100 million, but we'll take care of it for you. There's huge opportunities to walk in and do that in a lot of these places because the market is telling them beautiful, wonderful future. And if you don't do it, you're in the graveyard. Like uh, in the United States during the, the web one stuff in the early 1990s, there was a company called Dex, which was the phone book company. And they were a behemoth. And then they were gone a couple of years later. And that's the story that everybody worries about or Blockbuster video, like video rental chains, right? Yeah, yeah, Kodak, like there's all those fear things. That's not wrong. The risk is there, but the bigger risk is doing the wrong thing. <laughs> Taking your precious gold of people's time and the treasure that you have and wasting it, chasing something that has no value. For me, peak stupidity was like people hiring chief metaverse officers or something, you know. But it, the, the problem is always like, that's something I always see in innovation. And it doesn't matter if it's crypto generative AI, NFTs or drone, you know, drone highways, which was a big thing like 10 years ago or something. It's always like there's a bunch of people get hyped up, but they never look like past the first stage. Drone highways died 
because like it turns out computer vision and drones is really fucking hard so they don't just land on your on your house on your on your garage or whatever like they don't do it right and the, the thing now with generative ai is i think you could build an internal language model and every boss employee or maybe even customers have a chatbot where they can interact with all the boss knowledge that might work in some space but really the super interesting thing would be to look into Bosch and think, we have amazing knowledge about industrial automation, how to build manufacturing plants, how can we build autonomous agents on the methodology we have inside, right? So, and, and this is what the big AI and prompt engineering creators talk about, but, you know, at BCG and consulting, high level stuff that didn't come and now, I don't know if they're gonna do it. Yeah. Now, what you just described is really, really important for those big companies to think about. They often want to point to somebody like Amazon and say, look, Amazon took a cost center in the form of hosting and they turned it into a value creating center. They make profit off of it now in AWS. They did the same thing with their fulfillment, right? Like the, the shipping and handling a product. It used to be a cost center. Now they make money off it filled by Amazon which is a, it's a platform opportunity of your existing knowledge skill set what you just described with bosch would be taking that exact same approach i'm going to take something that we're really good at we had to be good at to win in the market we had to do these things and i'm going to make it available to my competition because i i know that i can do it better than they can and making them my customer you know i win which is all Amazon does. Now, the, you could do that. Bosch could do that with what they're trying to do right now, but it's a really different mindset than most of those companies have because it changes who their customer is. It's no longer the person who buys the Bosch product. It's you know another company that does something similar to Bosch. And that's tough for the leadership to absorb. That's tough for the shareholders to absorb, right? It, it's a very difficult sell. Uh, but when they do it, you, you become a industry-defining behemoth. You become the industry. Yeah, so my, my best example where how I think about this would be SAP, for example. They are in so many corporates, uh, SMBs, whatever, and they manage business processes there. The knowledge they have about launching and integrating into systems and building business processes and data flows and whatever is insane. So the amount of like autonomous agents that could it could be a different customer, you know, they could be built on all their methodology and knowledge they have. And then maybe the customer comes first to that agent and the agent does 70% of the planning and then an SAP consultant comes in, right? And so it's, it, it allows you what you just said, like opening up the ecosystem, but you know, like different levels of engagement you could do. It could be a chatbot as well, where you ask like, hey, I'm a, I'm a coal mine in North Carolina. I don't know, like, uh, you know, can you help me? And they're like, hey, you know, based on our experience, it takes that amount of time and you would need these people. And here's like the first mock-up we could create, send us some data and whatever. So it, you lose control and, it, you know, especially German companies, they hate to lose <laughs> control. And or like, you know, they, they don't necessarily lose control because the agent and the data are still there. But, you know, there would be interactions with the customers. They don't necessarily have direct control. Over, and that's something like, you know, Holy fuck. Verboten. <laughs> yeah. 
It's, it's funny that you mentioned SAP because that's one of the uh, companies I think of right now in what's happening as at high risk because the, the speed at which a company's ability to integrate with different technology tools is increasing because of some of the things that have already happened. The amount of value that a typical software engineer can produce with some of the tools that are already available is 10 times what it was just a few years ago. And when you couple that with the amount of tools that are coming out, this, the ease of integration that can happen with all those tools as they continue on, all of a sudden something like an enterprise resource planning solution and the consultants needed to implement it diminishes rapidly because I can get the best of breed of all the different pieces and stitch it together and have a very cohesive whole fairly rapidly. And companies are in that spot where they're dominant and their methodology as far as marketing is concerned is who else are you going to go with? Like it loses all value yeah. in the market. <laughs> like who else can run all 5,000 of your facilities and make sure that you're getting, you know, information shared across all of them? Just us or PeopleSoft? Well, guess what? That's not true anymore. <laughs> yeah. There's a, uh, I have an anecdote from like another startup founder that and he was like, you know, he, he thought about Sapia and what Sapia is doing at the moment. And then there's like, there's an interesting startup, Merch.dev. So they're helping people scale integrations. And you know, as a developer, like integrations also for SaaS founders, it's a nightmare, right? <laughs> they are really, they, for example, use large, large language models just to read the documentation that they write start some of the code for custom integrations for you. And, you know, like no company on the planet wants to have developers just developing integrations. It's always a risk, you know, there's a chicken and egg problem. And now this guy was basically, I combined this approach with like a language model that goes into my data. I don't know, I integrate it into my Google, it looks for oh. for things, you know, and it, it could automatically find out the systems I'm integrated with and then tell me, hey, this is what you can do with SAP here, here you can integrate there. So, you know, this explorative approach, just go inside, look at my data and find what integrations that, you know, in the future is gonna be as crazy as it's, it's gonna develop the integrations for you if you need custom ones. Yeah, wild. Yeah, well, you just described something that I, I had uh, been pitching when I was moving from TradeLens into Vala, which was, uh, I just call it the universal translator because I've got two systems that need to talk to each other and I don't want to hire a bunch of engineers to come in and do it, but I can have a little AI agent look at the two data models and say, oh, well, this looks like this, and then ask a question. Is that correct? Does this name Christian Michael Hammer actually break down into first name Christian, middle name Michael, last name Hammer, so I can take the data from this one system and put it in the other? Just doing something like that would have a massive impact on your ability to integrate tools rapidly. And we had had to have it at a couple previous companies I'd been at, we developed something kind of like that, except it was all curated by humans because there wasn't a good AI large language model that could make that interpretive guess, right? Yeah, good. Max, this has been a fun conversation. I'm really excited. I think that we agree largely in like where this is going and the best way to approach it. Uh, but I want to make sure that everybody listening has a chance to go check out unifier.ai. I want to make sure I didn't leave that off. Um, with the last few minutes we've got left in our time, is there something that you want to say to the audience? If listeners would take one quote from our talk, I think really the whole thing about generative AI and large language model is really every company has the opportunity to really scale their uniqueness and their unique insights, knowledge, methodology frameworks. I think that's the opportunity that lies on the table. And we're already seeing startups that say like, you know, I did that at IBM. IBM's not doing it. 
but I know how to do it. All right, so I think the game's on for this. <laughs> Agreed. Max, thank you so much for being on It's Tectastic. It was really lovely to have you here. I would love to have you on again in the future. Absolutely. Love it. And that's a wrap for this episode of Tectastic. I want to thank you personally for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Until then, keep exploring and stay curious.